Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. Good to see you all today. We're on week 11 of our Kingdom Influence series, and uh, we're picking up another topic or an aspect of this series. Um, We've been learning over these last 10 weeks um, how important the Kingdom of God is in terms of God's big plan for the earth. It's not just a a subject that we can kind of breeze through. It's actually one of our primary focal points for our whole Christian activities, understanding and getting to grips with what it means to understand what the kingdom of God is. And our our broad subject title for the series is Kingdom Influence. And uh, this morning, I'm going to look at kingdom awareness. Um, And you may be thinking, what on earth does that mean? Well, that's a good place to start. Awareness. What does that mean? Before we do, I, I was reminded uh, of a little story that you may have heard before, but I thought it fitted really well with this topic this morning. I'm just going to read this, uh, and then we'll get into the message proper. Um, it's a short story about awareness regarding Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Who likes uh, Watson and Holmes? You know, the films are great. Um, you may have heard this before, but it fits really well. It's a good illustration. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went on a camping trip. After a good meal and a bottle of wine, they laid down for the night and went to sleep. Some hours later, Holmes awoke and nudged his, friend, uh, his faithful friend, Watson. Uh, he looked up at the sky and said, tell me, what do you see? Watson replied, I see millions and millions of stars. What does that tell you, Watson? Watson pondered for a minute. Astronomically, it tells me that there are millions of galaxies and potentially billions of planets. Astrologically, I observed that Saturn is in Leo. Horologically, I deduce that the time is approximately a quarter past three. Theologically, I can see that God is all-powerful and that uh, we are small and pretty much insignificant. Meteorologically, I suspect that we will have a beautiful day tomorrow. What does it tell you? Holmes was silent for a minute, then spoke. It tells me that someone has stolen our tent. (laughs) So, (laughs) it's funny, isn't it? Because... We see things differently depending on anything. You know, we really do. And you may know what you're like with your best friends. I'm sure you know what they say about you and how you see things. But um, how we see God's kingdom is really important. Because if we don't see what's really happening in God's kingdom, or don't grasp a moment when God's kingdom may have very significant impact around us or for ourselves, we might just miss what God's doing. And so kingdom awareness is an important subject and consideration. Uh, Why this series? For those who are new, our vision here at BCC is to bring growing kingdom influence and transformation to every area of our lives, our community and beyond. So um, you may be thinking, well, I, I don't hear churches talking about kingdom influence. Well, the kingdom of God is pretty much all over the New Testament. And Jesus said, my mission is to preach the kingdom of God. That's exactly it. So so that's why we're tackling this. Because if we can help people to understand that by coming to faith, they're entering the kingdom of God. If we can help people to understand that, it will help them to understand the context of what faith means. It's not just an attendance of church. So that's our vision. And uh, we'll go into this topic this morning. So a famous writer, Max Licardo, Uh, once wrote, 
There are all, uh, we are always in the presence of God. There is never a non-sacred moment. His, pre- his presence never diminishes. Our awareness of his presence may falter, but the reality of his presence never changes. And for some, you may be sitting there thinking, well, I don't feel like I'm in God's presence right now. But you may not be feeling it. You may feel that you once experienced it. You may be feeling that you've never experienced God's presence. You, you may feel that you're really not that aware of God doing anything in your life. On the other hand, you may feel very aware. Maybe you're feeling right now that you know exactly how God's speaking to you. Now, God's plan is that we are aware. His plan is that we understand and are not um, uninformed about what he's doing. Our awareness of his presence is important. And it's important to recognize that God is with us all the time. And that's the danger of feelings. Because if we rely on those feelings to make us feel good or, or otherwise, those feelings will mess us up. Because feelings don't help much in terms of um, really making good judgments at times. But they're, they're brilliant capacities that we've got and we can celebrate when we want to celebrate but feelings can catch us out so we're moving into an understanding of what awareness is and to do that in the kingdom of God we're going to reflect back on the Old Testament the earlier parts of the Bible in fact Genesis because God is the same yesterday today and forever the Bible says so his his approach to the kingdom um, is is rooted in exactly the same principles and and there's a great story in the Old Testament about Jacob. You remember Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and God's promise to Abraham that there was going to be a covenant that he would make with Abraham. And in fact, he did make a covenant. And he promised uh, to make his, his offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. And lo and behold, this, this third generation, Jacob is born. And um, he's got a twin brother called Esau. Esau and Jacob, their, their mother was Rebekah. And Rebecca, these twin boys, Esau came out first, and holding his heel was uh, this guy, Jacob. Um, and it says that in the womb, they basically didn't get on too well. There's this tension in the womb. And God told Rebecca about this tension between these two boys, that actually there, there is, this tension is very real. It's going to affect their lives. And so they're born with tension in their situation. Anyone ever had tension with someone close to them? Or you just have perfect lives. Anyone with a perfect life, wave at me. Come give me some advice. Norman's got a perfect life. <laughs> no. So now we're picking up the story in Genesis 27, verse 36. Um, because something has happened. Um, this tension between Jacob and Esau has resulted in Jacob effectively getting his brother's firstborn birthright, which is a big deal because that's the destiny and heritage of the family line. Um, and we're not going into that fully, but there's a reference to it in a moment. But also, he's done something really, in a sense, not good. Because Jacob has tricked his brother and deceived his father. He's actually done what you would hate being done to yourself. And he's done that to his family. He's been a deceiver, really. He's, he's lied. He lied to his father. So his starting point in the story is not a great one. He's not a shining example of perfect human being behavior. But uh, Esau's not happy. So Esau exclaimed in Genesis 27, No wonder his name is Jacob. <laughs> the name Jacob means to supplant. In other words, you, you, you take out and you put what you want to put in. You exchange something. Um, no wonder his name is Jacob. For now he has cheated me twice. Actually, the truth is he'd only cheated him once. The first time, um, Esau was very, very careless. In fact, the scriptures chastise 
uh, Esau for his carelessness about how he handled what God had given him, actually. Um, he's, now he's cheated me twice. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he's stolen my blessing too. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me, he expressed. And of course, this is a conversation with his father, Isaac. Um, now, Isaac's an, an old man. And it says in the scriptures that uh, he's losing his sight. In fact, he's going blind. So an older guy going blind, his awareness of reality is changing because of his physical circumstances. Um, so his, his ability to, to be sure who was who was tricky. And he'd already promised to Esau that he would bless his life. Now, the blessings, when scripture is written in those days, when you pronounced a blessing on someone's life, pretty much word for word, that's what ended up happening into your life. And there was a very high degree of um, provision attached to that blessing. And, and it had been taken. And Isaac um, wasn't happy. In fact, Isaac knew there was a risk of this tension between the, the brothers. And uh, he made this point. He said, come close to me so I can make sure that you really are Esau. Because Jacob was pretending. And of course, you can go and look at the story of how he deceived his father. But uh, Isaac said, your hands, they feel like Esau's. They weren't. They, he just put, um, he sounded like Jacob, but he, he felt like Esau. Um, and in fact, he wore Esau's clothing so that his father would think the smell of Esau, you know, the, that kind of uh, you know, hunter-gatherer kind of person that he was, would come through. And of course it did. He deceived his father. So that's the backstory. And as a result, um, Jacob realized through his mother that actually his brother was really unhappy. So much so he was probably going to try and kill him. As soon as the father died, he would kill him. And so the mum suggested to the father to send Jacob away to find a wife. He was probably in his late teens, early 20s. And so they send him off to this place called Haran to go find a good wife, uh, just like Rebecca had been to Isaac. So we're picking up the story again in Genesis 28, verses 12 and 13. On the journey to Haran, Jacob finds a stone and he settles down to sleep. So he's just on a journey and he's resting. He's not on the run. He's just on a journey. And as he slept, he dreamed of a stairway that reached from the earth up to heaven. And he saw the angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the top of the stairway stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on uh, belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Well, human response to, to what Jacob has done would be, that guy needs a good slap. He needs a good dose of discipline. and needs to be sorted out. But God didn't do that. And it seems a bit harsh that God would let go this, this deception. But there is a reason why God let that go. In fact, there's a number of reasons. We won't go into all of them. But one of the reasons is that God already made a promise to Abraham through Isaac and then to his descendants. So the fact that the blessing had rested on Jacob meant that God was going to honor that promise through to Jacob. That's just how it happened. It's not just a blessing. It's that birthright that, that Jacob secured off his brother, legitimately, frankly, um, that God was honoring that process. So God was not punishing him. There's another reason why God didn't punish him. because, And it's this, that Jacob didn't actually know God. Did you know that? He knew of God from Abraham. He knew of God from Isaac, but he didn't know God himself. He had no idea about God beyond what he would have learned from his parents, which I guess he would have learned a bit, but he had no relationship with God. This is the first time he's encountered God. And as a result, what's God's principle in the Bible about people? To restore them. 
God's plan is always to restore, not to destroy. He's not there to destroy people. He's there to build people up and, and, and help people find who they really are and find out who he is in relation to them. So restoration, so purpose. So that's why God is treating carefully um, the situation with Jacob. And then he does something amazing. In this dream, and by the way, later on in Genesis, you can read that God makes a point of saying, that dream you had came from me. This is God speaking into, into Jacob's life. And God underpinned his promise to Abraham in verse 14 of Genesis 28. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust in the earth. He says a few more things. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. That's huge. In fact, God had previously said about Esau and Jacob that they will, they will father nations. And in fact, that's what they went on to do. Um, in his frustration, Esau uh, went and joined his uncle Ishmael. And if you know biblical history, you know where that ended up. And so there was a separation that took place, this tension. You know, some of the tension in the Middle East goes to this conversation. Do you realize that? You may think what's going on in the Middle East with um, you know, the, the battles between the, the Hebrew world and the Islamic world is just, just a lot of bad stuff. It's not. It's bad blood. It goes right back to these guys. This is affecting our world today, right now. And people don't realize it. It's this story that gives us an insight as to why all that happened. And so, but this is incredible because verse 15, not only does God remind Jacob through this dream that this is what he'd promised Abraham, but he's also going to add to it. He says, what's more, verse 15. So God's not only giving him what he promised his grandfather, I am with you and I will protect you where." Ever you go, one day I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have finished giving you everything I have promised you. That is a pattern of what Jesus Christ has done for us. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never turn my back on you. No matter how difficult your start in your journey of faith is, God is not going to abandon you. There's a pattern here of, of what Jesus later did for us. Um, I will... There's an interesting comment here. I will protect you wherever you go. People get really hung up about God's will. What's God's will for my life? And some people even fall away from faith at times. They lose their focus on faith because they think, well, God's not showing me his will. But God's will is not to direct everything, every single step. You see, he said to Jacob, wherever you go, he just says, I will protect you. I'll be with you. God's will is to protect you and be with you as you understand how he's leading you in the kingdom, which is why awareness of the kingdom is so important. So, moving forward, Jacob had not been aware of the nature of God. He'd heard about um, God from his, his ancestors, but he didn't actually have a relationship with God. Genesis 28, 16, 17 says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I wasn't even aware of it. Verse 17, but he was also afraid and said, what an awesome place this is. It is none other than the house of God, the very gateway to heaven. This is really powerful because you're talking, we're reading about a, a young man, a young adult, who has just had a revelation of who God is and where God is and what God does and how God speaks. He's just received it. He's just, it's just landed in his life. God has come himself to tell Jacob that information. This is again a pattern of the New Testament where Jesus has come to show us the way and to help us to understand the plan. 
And he got that. This is his, if you like, conversion to trusting God. And he says later on at the end of the chapter, if you do these things for me, you will be my Lord. This is like a conversion point for Jacob. This is what it is. But it says, he awoke from his sleep and said, surely the Lord would see us in this place. And I wasn't even aware of it. And that's the pattern today for everybody. We wake up some mornings and we go, where's God? You know, or I need to find out the truth. I want somebody to navigate me. I want some help. I need something. God, where are you? May not even be asking God for the help. You may not even know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you want someone to give you some direction because you know you haven't got the answers. And that's the truth. Human beings don't have the answers. We only have a, a sort of starting point and we need navigating. And Jacob was not aware that God actually was everywhere. He never realized that God actually was watching everything. God was in everything. He'd been talking to his mother. He'd been describing his brother. He'd been put in a... Basically, God was prophetically speaking into Jacob's life, and he never realized it. It was this point he realized it. And that prophetic statement was about his protection. It was about his purpose. It was about God's promise being fulfilled. And that's what happens when we come to faith in Christ. We get that revelation that Jesus is God's son and he's come to do exactly what Jacob experienced. And he will take us into that journey. He'll take us into the unknown. And wherever we go, if we keep our hearts and minds set on him, he will do these things. That's what God's promises for us. It's really exciting. But awareness is really important. It's not enough just to have the theory of this. It's, it's got to be in practice. Faith without action really isn't faith at all. It's just theory. So Awareness, what is it? You may feel, well, I'm pretty aware. I know what's going on around me. Well, do you? Do you really know what's going on around you? I think many people have got blind spots. Awareness is not just what's going on, but what, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing it? Where are you going? That awareness is way more than just one aspect of seeing something. It's what's the, what's the story with, with what, what I'm doing? Should I be Going this way, that way, should I be involved? You know, lots of questions. Awareness raises questions. And awareness can be defined as knowledge and understanding that something is happening or exists. That's what awareness is. And some of us are just not aware of, of what God wants to do. His kingdom is about us understanding. Jesus was well aware of the Father's plan. And we can read in Luke 4, 42 to 43, after he's surrounded by thousands of people, and he's, in fact, he's pulling himself away from the crowds because the p- people always want something that's sizzly and exciting and gonna, you know, is, offers something different. And Jesus did all that and some. And then in verse 43, well, it says, The crowds searched everywhere for him, and then they found him, and they begged him not to leave them. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that is why I was sent. He knew who he was, where he was going, why he was doing it where it should be. He knew it. How did he know it? Because he was trusting God to guide him. And he knew exactly. He had to pull away from the noise and the crowd, the adulation. Some people worship celebrity. Some people feel like their lives are falling apart if they're no longer the celebrity in their world. You know, some people want that. But actually God is saying, look, kingdom is so important to the world. People understanding that the kingdom is so critical that Jesus said, I've got to pull away. You know, to know in Greek is an interesting word, but it's got lots and lots of varied meanings. It's not just knowledge or to know or to understand. It's actually very intimate. And the word to know in Greek means to perceive, 
But it's a Jewish idiom for intercourse. So a man and a wife. Um, in, if you look back at the time of Mary and Joseph, it says that, that Joseph didn't yet know Mary. Well, that's an idiom for they were not intimate. And so when the Bible's talking about understanding and being aware and knowing, that word aware is an intimate awareness of what on earth is going on in my life. And God wants you to intimately know more about what's going on. And so he puts things in place for you to be more confident and to have certainty about what is going on. And if you don't know, God can provide that. But there are things that stop us having an understanding of what God is saying. They're called distractions. Anyone ever been distracted? Anyone been told at school that they didn't concentrate and that it's too easily distracted? I'm seeing quite a few nods here. I think I got that a little bit too often. <laughs> but distractions come, come along. And, and distractions, what are they? Where are they? Why do they come? Lots of reasons. Something, it's something that prevents uh, someone giving their full attention to something else. God wants your full attention. He wants it. He wants your full awareness. He wants you to see. Because in you seeing and understanding what God's doing is your purpose, your protection, your promise. It's all in there. It's all in that. Paul, the Apostle Paul even said in Corinthians, I want to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Because distractions come along. What do they look like? Well, then they come through all sorts of different ways and shapes. Professor Barry uh, Brownstein wrote, he's an author, the worst uh, we are at something, or the worse we are at something, the more likely we will um, overrate our skills with that something. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but when we are not very good at things, we have a, an inflated view about what we're good at. And actually, a little bit of information can become a dangerous thing. You heard that expression? A little, little information can be a day. It's because we, we become experts at a, an idea and we overinflate our real understanding of what on earth is going on. People who tend to be well-grounded in understanding don't inflate it. It's the ones, those of us who don't know what's going on. We exaggerate the reality of situations and it can be a distraction for us. But there are other big distractions going on in life. And I just want to flag a few of these because Kingdom awareness says we've got to do our best not to be distracted by things that are going to do you absolutely no good. There's a lot out there that is going to absolutely... Dis what happens when you get distracted? You get frustrated. You, if you ever said to yourself, oh, I'm in the wrong place. I shouldn't be here. I should be somewhere. Or I was supposed to be there two hours ago and I'm somewhere else. Have you ever said that? Have you ever kind of made the observation that how on earth did I end up here? Have you ever said that to yourself? That's because something has got in and distracted you. Now, it will happen in life, and it's not to say that every distraction is a terrible thing, but we want to reduce them as much as possible. And I've got six areas that are biggies that affect us all. Right now, our country is completely distracted by one thing. Anyone know what that one thing is? Everyone's chuckling away because you know that one thing is, is suddenly distracting. I mean, nothing else seems to be going through Parliament right now in fact, they shut Parliament because of that one thing. You know, there's court cases going on because of that one thing. You know, um, there's going to be another election because of that one thing. That distraction is so big. People's businesses and their workplaces and their, you know, we've got people from all around the world in this church. And the other day I was thinking, what does all this mean for those of you who are from other countries? Um, now, we trust God that he's going to make a way, but, but we worry about some of those things. But life's worries distract us. 
And when they distract us, there is an outcome. And it says in Mark 4, 19, that the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth and the desire for other things. And those, the distractions become a, a temptation for us. And what is the outcome of that distraction? No fruit is produced. And what did Jesus talk about fruit? He's looking for, God wants us to bear fruit. He wants your life to produce something that is of value in his kingdom. Because that's where your protection is. That's where the promise is. That's where God's purpose is. It's all in that space. Um, the enemy is another area of, uh, of distraction and the temptations. But, you know, as a believer in Christ, you can work through those things. The Bible has never said that you, you'll go under because of temptation. If you trust Christ, trust God, he'll give you a way through it. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, He will show you a way out so that you can endure. And so you can actually overcome temptation. No matter what it is, you can do it. And don't believe the lie that you're stuck in it and it's, that's the end of you. That's not true at all. The Bible makes it very clear that if we put God first, he will guide us through areas of sin, if you like, and temptation. It's not the biggest issue that distracts us, by the way. For some it is. But bad advice is a massive distractor. People being given the wrong advice at the wrong time. I was reading recently in 2 Samuel 10, verses 3 and 4. In fact, the whole first part of that chapter is an horrendous story about how King David wanted to honor the son of a friend of his. And he sent ambassadors to the new young king, the one who's taken over. And his advisors said to the young king, don't believe these ambassadors. They're just here to take your kingdom off you. And as a result of that, they humiliated those ambassadors. The advice was terrible and a massive distraction. In the end, it not only distracted the relationship, 40,000 people were killed on the back of the dishonoring that took place. I'm telling you, your advice and how you process advice that you're given is very, very important because you tend to listen to your friends and family and sometimes they don't always have the best advice. They have a good heart generally, but they may not have the right advice. So that's why we need to know what God is saying. Um, also, tunnel vision is an area of distraction. Anyone been on a motorbike in excess of 100 miles an hour as a pillion? Anyone just wave your hand? Yeah. Me and Scott. Oh, and Spike. Uh, we have. And I remember as a young, young man being on the back of a, a bike, a Kawasaki GPZ 750 Turbo, uh, the, guy, the day after the guy bought it, I said to him, please do not go over the speed limit. We're coming down the M1, red rag to a ball. He throttled that baby back, and that thing shot right down the M1 in driving rain at 135 miles an hour. And I'm sitting on the back of it. I was taller than him. The seating was still I got everything in my face. And it's like, you know... Huge crash helmet bouncing all over the place. You can't see anything. You can't see anything because you're, you're so trying not to die. <laughs> you're holding on and, and everything is just racing past because you're going in one, you know, it, you just can't. I mean, it's survival, isn't it? And the tunnel vision is a huge distraction because you might be going so headlong into something so quickly that you're not seeing all the danger signs that you could really get caught out. And God doesn't want you to be in that. And there's a good verse, Psalm 25, 4 and 5. You can pray this, show me the right path. Oh Lord, point out the road for me to follow. Pray that prayer. Slow down. Don't stop. Just keep moving. The kingdom of God is about movement. Wrong lens. The journey you've been on, where you've come from, what your experiences have been, they can distract you because they can come in and crowd out your thinking. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 
Now we see things imperfectly, like uh, puzzling reflections in a mirror. We just don't see the whole story. And we make a lot of judgments and we get distracted because this is how it happened last time. But God's not the God of last time. He's the God of the new today. God is the God of new things. God is the God who resets direction. And if you start to bring in your old patterns into his new direction, you will be distracted from what he's doing in his kingdom. It's very important. You could pray into that and think about it. The good versus the best. Psalm 32 says, The Lord says, I'll guide you along the best path for your life. Not a good path, the best path. And there are so many good things that people want to do, very honorable good things, but they may not be the best things. And actually, you can just give your whole life up for something that's good when, in fact, God had something that was best. And discerning between those two things, these are big distractions. How do we get ourselves undistracted? Reset our kingdom focus. Pray, ponder the word of God, and pursue faith steps. That's what we do. Um, A quote, and then I'm going to come to the end of our message this morning. The greatest enemy of the life of faith in God is not sin, but good choices, which are not quite good enough. The good is always the enemy of the best. You know, as a church, we could be doing loads and loads of good things, but they may not be the best things. And we've got to hear what God is saying. Normally, the best things do have risk attached to them. The best things will put us in an uncomfortable place at times. But God's looking to see how we respond inside to discomfort. because Not because he's trying to make life miserable for us. But when we're taking risky decisions, we need to know that actually when all else gets shaky, that you and I inside are solid and our faith is secure in Christ. If we start to... uh, Bill Johnson, I was at a meeting with the guys yesterday, and he talked about acorns and oak trees. He said, we can't carry the weight of an oak tree, but you can carry the weight of an acorn. And so many of our journeys start as acorns that grow into oak trees, but God can't give you the full weight of the oak tree day one. And when we pray... Many prayers start as acorns, and those little acorns need to grow, and they will grow into oak trees. But the answer, you can't carry it straight away. It's an interesting thought, that. That does time with Scripture. So um, yesterday, I've just mentioned Bill Johnson. The Turning London, Alex really excellently summarized this coming week in Bromley. This is a busy slide, but I just want to share something. Um, it's the whole thing's being organized by Inca. Um, Oyakan, he's a pastor. He's a good friend of mine. In fact, he said, can I have a photo with you, Mark? I was very honored by that request. I said, well, can I have one back? So, but I just thought I'd take the liberty of showing you what happened yesterday in London right now for, for kingdom awareness sake. Right, we've been talking about the turning being a, a street evangelism initiative. It's happening around London. And at the moment, 200 churches are involved across different denominations. And for this week, starting yesterday... Um, there's going to be simply an hour each morning of going out into the high streets and into the marketplace to talk about our faith with intention. So it's not just to have a, a long chat with someone. It's to actually ask the hard questions about life and relationship with Christ. Really, really punchy. And so the guys yesterday morning, they did this, um, this training in the morning and then they sent everybody out for an hour and said, there's 500 people up at Westminster Chapel. Um, 
and sent them all out and said, go find some people who want to give their lives to Christ. Well, that's a daunting thing. Anyone in here really like doing that sort of stuff? It's not an easy thing. I'm telling you, just listening to it and you're listening to me, you're probably thinking, God, I don't think I could do that. But the truth is, we need to. Our call is just like Jesus, not to stay put with the crowd, but go into a place where the kingdom can be revealed to people. This is the Jacob experience that we're talking about today. And as a result of the training yesterday morning, um, the 500 people, a good percentage of those people went out and they decided to put into practice what they learned that morning from a cold start. So they didn't turn up as people who were been to university of evangelism they literally got told in the morning what was going to happen and they just went out and um, 116 people they met in one hour made prayers of faith to trust in jesus christ as lord and savior can you believe that in westminster right and it's not just okay i'll pay a prayer prayer to get rid of that person it wasn't that at all it was prayers of faith and they gave their details for follow-up they want follow-up, these people. That's incredible, isn't it? You would think in our day and age that people are not interested in Jesus Christ. It's not true. It's a lie. There are people desperate to have a Jacob experience. There are people desperate to know not just about, but who is he, this Jesus Christ, who is Lord. They want to know. And this thing is edgy because it sticks you right out into the most uncomfortable situation. It says, get on with it then and ask people. And that's what he did. And some of the feedback, on the photo on the left-hand side is a, a couple of people. There's a whole queue of people waiting to tell their stories about what happened. And most of them were astonished. They couldn't believe how quickly people responded to the gospel. One person said, a Syrian refugee prayed with me for salvation. I was amazed that it just happened so fast. Another person said, a Danish woman prayed with me for salvation. I felt like I'd been saved all over again because they came to faith and they wanted to give details. Someone, they said they'd come all the way from Denmark just to have this encounter. Isn't that incredible? Um, an African family of three, the dad, the mum, and the son, met with another couple of people and they made, all three of them made first-time decisions. They all prayed a prayer together of faith. And the person who spoke to him said the dad was absolutely ripped. You know, was he, he was fit. He was a guy's guy, you know. And, uh, and they really wanted their contact details to be taken so they could have follow-up. Another person said, I was frightened to approach anyone, so I just took one step at a time. In fact, I went for what was probably the easy route, and he saw a homeless person, and he met um, someone called Jamie, who's a homeless person on methadone, and he's addicted to it. And lo and behold, in that short conversation, they found out from Jamie that the day before, he'd done some research on who Jesus Christ was. The day before, and he was just wondering, what could I do about that research? And then lo and behold, someone comes along and says, would you like to know Jesus Christ? Just coincidence, or do you think that might be God's plan? It's awareness, isn't it? And, and today... It happened, is what the person said. Incredible. Right, um, just to remind us about what's happening this week. Every night, there's going to be a worship night. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, it's at um, Brook Lane. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, it's in this building, in this, this room. So everybody, anybody can come. We'd love you to be there. You need to come to the, the worship the night before. Then the following morning, if you're going to go out in the street, it's just a short training time and out. And in fact, the training is so short, it's unbelievably short. In fact, people were... We're taking the script out with them and people, their lives are being touched with the script. Can you believe it? You think, that's so mechanical. That's not going to persuade 
telling you, God's in it. So watch it. So um, that's going to be good. So I've got three very short video clips which we're going to run. They're only about a minute each. And um, I want you to hear what other people felt when they went out and did this for the first time. And by the way, there were people who'd never gone into evangelism in their life before were involved in this in London yesterday. So just three examples. There's loads. I've videoed quite a lot, but just three. So if you run the first one, Luke. Uh, we are from Holy Innocence Catholic Church in Orpington. Um, we spoke to three people, uh, all accepted prayer. Um, but the third person was a chauffeur, and he had just parked his stretch limousine. And, uh, and I thought of Megs. He's not in a rush. He's not going anywhere. He's staying with his car. <laughs> So we started, uh, Father Victor did most of the talking, he kept a script, and um, he was uh, from Portugal, uh, a Catholic, but he says, I'm only Catholic because my family are Catholic, and again and again he stressed, he's only Catholic because his family are Catholic, but he doesn't believe, and so when we spoke about God's love, and he said, you know, and then we read the next Bible text, and he says, but how do I know what's heaven, how do I know that... Uh, I'll be satisfied there, and how do I know that after six months I won't get tired of it? <laughs> and he went on in a light-hearted, almost jokey way, you know, a little flippant. But Father Victor kept the script, and um, when it came time to repeat after him, and he said he was ready to pray and start a journey to, to Christ, uh, but his face went from slightly jokey to a little more serious and to a little more serious and by the end of the prayer his mouth was trembling and we could see that he was ready to almost be moved to tears and he gave us all his details and everything so come on thank you Jesus I'm from the gate and I had the privilege of going out with Manuel and Carmen from Madrid We were talking with a couple at the beginning. Uh, they told us that they were uh, feeling God, and uh, the woman was listening, and she was in a process opening her heart to Jesus. At the end, she prayed with me, and we had uh, her email address, and we also could take a picture of them. And, I told her I'll be praying for her. Awesome. We go this, to Spain with, with these people in our hearts because we took a picture. Uh, he filled everything. And uh, well, we, ha we told them, you have uh, friends in Spain now. Let us to pray for you. And next time you come, we gave them our phone number even to share, we loved, we felt the love of God. They were prepared, they were prepared because they was, were talking when, when we uh, approached them. They were, uh, she began, uh, you know, uh, uh, let us to ask you a question. And they said, oh, we were talking about that now. <laughs> so the Lord guided us. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm a Becca from Peckham, so if a Becca can do it. I'm from Lithuania. I was with. We, we seem to pray for people from all over the world: Qatar, Argentina, Spain, East Grinstead. Um, <laughs> we, we met a, uh, a, a gentleman from Romania, 
and he just went through everything. Everything we said, he said yes. Uh, and then he prayed the prayer with us, gave us all his details, and um, it's, it was just such a privilege. Awesome, thank you so much. Well, you might be interested, worship team, join me. Uh, this happened yesterday. 116 people made those responses. And um, information, by the way, is, is GDPR protected. It's not being. It's it's for follow up. That's it. And people are willing because people want answers. They want to know the what, the why, the when. They want. They want to know that God is there. They want. They want answers. It's just like Carmen. But by the way, Sophie knows Carmen. He, she saw that video in the first episode. I know that guy from Madrid. And um, isn't, it, isn't it, what was that? They're friends. They're friends. Isn't it funny how God just makes things happen? And kingdom awareness is incredibly important. That God is in everything, around everything. He doesn't agree with everything. And he doesn't endorse things that are wrong. But God is with you and he'll never leave you. It's just that so many don't realize he's there. And the conversations I have with people many times who are not yet trusting Christ as Lord is they talk about these encounters thinking about God. And I'm thinking, well, that's God speaking to you. They just need someone who will walk with them and help them to understand. And sometimes as believers, we just don't have enough confidence to just realize that God is already working ahead of us. And kingdom awareness touches lots and lots of things. This is just the evangelistic side of things. But isn't it exciting? What could happen this week? What could happen by next Sunday? How many people in our area are going to give their lives to Christ? Now, are we as a church ready for this? Because a response and a prayer is just the beginning. Discipleship is the journey. That means we have got to be ready to step up and be with people and and not always be the ones with the needs, but actually be the ones who are able to bring what God has given to us to encourage them. We can do it. God trusts you. He trusts me. He says, you've got enough to begin to fly in your faith. You've got enough. Don't believe it when the enemy makes you feel bad and you get distracted with all those big areas of distraction. It's just the way the world is. The world will try and distract you from doing what God wants you to do. And you know, we're going to sing a song right now. At the end, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that God really helps us to not be distracted, but to really know his mind and to be aware and understand. And while this is happening in Bromley, you know, it could be happening in your marketplace, in your workplace, in your business calls, and in your playgrounds, in your colleges, with your mum's groups or parents' groups. You could be having the same kind of conversations. You don't have to have a special right to share the faith of God. I mean, one pastor in Bromley said, I went up to someone and I read this script. I was so rubbish at it. I just said to someone, oh, hi, are you? Uh, I won't tell you what's on the script. But he said, can I just read? And he read it. And the guy said, yeah, 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 I want to. I want to. And he went, oh, okay. Well, in that case, would you like to receive Jesus Christ as Lord? And the guy said, yeah, I do. Okay, let's pray. And so he prayed. He prayed for a guy reading a script. You might think, that's not religious. That's not faith. I'm telling you, when God's in it, anything can happen. When it's life for people who are dying, they'll grab at it because this is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man goes to the Father except through me.